blame me for Dallas preaching. I, I, I did the best I could to talk him out of it. I declare I did. And uh, uh, Jamie, too, I, I had a part in his ordination service, and I tried to talk him out of it, and he didn't listen either. So uh, it, it is what it is. God is good. I declare he is. And uh, I, I went to meet with y'all at the other school over there, and y'all wasn't there. And I got to thinking they're hiding from you, you know, or whatever. They've heard me preach before, and they didn't want to have to hear me preach again. But uh, we, we tracked y'all down, and, and it's good to be here and good to be a part of this service. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John, chapter 8. That's where we'll get eventually. Uh, and, and we'll be there for a few minutes. Now, I want to uh, share some things with you real quick. Uh, I've, I've heard Dallas preach, and I've, I've heard Jamie preach, and uh, uh, as a general rule, when they preach, most of them preach about three sermons at a time. I'm going to preach one. Y'all either going to get it or you ain't, all right? I mean, that's just like it is. Most preachers will stand up here and lie to you and say, it's in conclusion, and they'll preach 30 more minutes. When I tell y'all be in conclusion, y'all get ready, because this fixed to be over with, all right? Amen. Uh, I, I think God has is, 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 is got it figured out. I think God is so far ahead of us, you know, that all we really need to do is focus on trying to follow after him. And, and I think even in, in, in the delivery of his word and the bringing of his word, uh, I think if we go back and we understand how Jesus did what Jesus did, uh, Jesus didn't always answer all the questions. A lot of times he left some questions to be answered. Uh, my hope, my prayer is that when y'all leave here this morning, there's things y'all are still thinking about. Our ministry is called AWIT, A-W-I-T, and when I think, I think one of the greatest downfalls in America today is we don't think enough. I think we just kind of stumble along through life and we assume everything's going to work out. A young man mentioned John 3.16. I want to share this with you real quick. Supposedly, and I know it to be true, Spurgeon preached from John 3.16 for 14 nights in a row, two hours at a time. On the last night, they say he broke down because he was obligated to move on and he felt like he had not yet fully expounded John 3.16. Now, I want you to ponder that just a little bit. You know, if somebody says, I'm going to preach from John 3.16, everybody says, well, I done heard that. I'll assure you of this. There's a lot more that you hadn't heard than there is that you have. I don't care what passage of Scripture that you come to. There's always a lot more to be, to be understood, a lot more to speak to you than has spoken to you. So what I hope this morning is that you're willing to listen to God. How many of you here are willing to listen to God? I was in revival a few years ago, and, and we was planting grass at the same time, and the fellow that was running the, the digger where we were planting grass was a, was a young Mexican young boy named Nacho. And uh, we were digging grass, and the machine broke down, and I got out of the truck, and I walked over to Nacho, and I said, Nacho, we have a problem. He says, yes, it no work. I says, well, we could pray about this thing. He said, you be Christian. I said, yeah, I'd be Christian. He said, we will pray. I said, yeah, let's pray. So me and Nacho prayed over a, a digger, a, a sprig digger. I don't know what that is. It don't make no difference. It was broke, all right? <laughs> he hit it about two times. He cranked it up. It ran like a sewing machine. We talked about how great God was and, and, and how God heard our prayers and Nacho says uh, a few things, you know, and I told him who I was a little bit. I said, I'm an evangelist. I preach and travel all over the country, and I preach. And I said, in fact, I'm right down the road over here in Bryan County this week in revival. Nacho says, well, I will pray for you. I said, man, Nacho, I appreciate the fact that you're going to pray for me. So I went, and we had a great night of revival, and I come back the next day, and Nacho said, how revival go? I said, man, Nacho, it went great. Man, wonderful things happened. It was just wonderful. I said, you pray for me again tonight. He said, oh, no, no, not pray again tonight. I said, why wouldn't you want to pray for me again tonight, Nacho? 
He said, last time I prayed for preacher two nights in a row, he no longer looked like preacher. I said, not sure, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they look up and not see me as a preacher, but they look up and they see God. And I want you to understand here today, if you've come here for any other reason than to see God, to hear God, to be drawn closer to God, then you came for the wrong reason. Now, to be able to do that, you've got to get your mind right. Uh, in John chapter 8, here, and, and, and he's dealing with some things, and, and, and the question I would ask you, what makes you or what has made you who you are? Now, now I want you to consider that for just a few seconds or whatever. You know, uh, if you go back and you take some pictures of my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, uh, you would begin to see some similarities between me and certain folks that I'm kin to. All y'all would be the same way. Uh, the way that certain people act, you know, or whatever can be related to how their daddies and mamas act. That's how you were raised to be in a lot of cases. So if you think about it, you know, from a simple standpoint, maybe you would say I am who I am because of genetics. Well, I'm as opposite of my daddy as I can be because that was my intent in life. I didn't want to be like my daddy. I, I knew my daddy. I knew who he was. I knew how he acted. He was the chairman of the deacons, but he was just that way on Sunday. And I was determined I wasn't going to be that way. Well, you go to environment a little bit, you know. We are what we've been shaped and made into be by, by who we were around, by who we hang out with, and all those kind of things affect us to some extent. And, and, and I could share some things. I, my mama had four youngins in five years. Mama didn't play. I mean, she, she was in the youngin business there for a while. And, and so what mama did that was kind of unique for her uh, we were fortunate. My older brother was kind of raised by my daddy. My older sister was made, raised by my grandma Wall, and I was raised by my granddaddy and grandma Martin. Now, he was Mr. Pete. Don't call me Mr. Pete because Mr. Peter was a sure enough great American. But, but if you looked at me, you'd say, well, there's a lot more similarity to him and his granddaddy Martin than there would be his daddy because that's who I was around. Most of you can relate to that in some way or another. The discussion in John chapter 8 is between Jesus and a bunch of folks who are really concerned and really convinced that because they are descendants of Abraham, everything's going to be all right. But because we came from Abraham, because we can trace our, our heritage back to Abraham, that means everything's going to be fine. Let me tell you something. There are no grandchildren in heaven. You're either a child of God or you're not. You can't get there based on how good daddy was or how bad daddy was, how good granddaddy was or how bad granddaddy was or anything else. You're either going to get there because you claim the shed blood of Jesus Christ or because you did not. I want you to understand that I believe hell is full of descendants of Abraham. And Jesus is here and he's trying to reason with these people as best he knows how and he's trying to get across to them that, that all those things don't matter. Your relationship with God and what Jesus is trying to tell them really is your relationship with God is based on whether you listen to God or not. Now, as a parent and as a grandparent, and I know y'all think I'm too young to be a grandparent. I just, you know, I just take good care of myself. One of the, one of the, the most challenging things I run up on, one of the most heartbreaking things I deal with is when my children won't listen to me. How many of y'all can understand that? You, you, you say, Junior. Don't do that. It ain't a good idea. Please don't do that. And Junior says, well, how do you know it's not a good idea? You say, because I, I tried it and it didn't work and it's never worked for anybody else. My granddaddy Martin taught me this early in life. He said, it's a lot cheaper to learn from another man's mistakes than it is to make them yourself. 
And, and so what you really want your children to do, what you really want your grandchildren to do is just, just please listen. I, I'm, I'm giving you something straight from the heart. If you, Man, if you just listen, I can save you a lot of hardships, a, a lot of heartaches, a lot of challenges if you just listen. I think God deals with it every day. And he looks at us as his children and he loves us. And he just says, my word, I wish they'd listen. If they just listen. In John chapter 8, we're going to begin at verse 42. And of course, Jesus has already kind of spoke with them. They, they've argued, they debated, whatever you want to call it. Uh, their minds are not open to receive God. But he goes ahead and he begins to explain it in this way. And in verse 42, it says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. The first thing is the word if. Now, when I was growing up, you know, or whatever, and when we got down to a real serious discussion, my granddaddy would always say this, there ain't no ifs, no ands, no buts about it. Now, some of you young people don't know what I said. Y'all going to think about it between now and tomorrow, and y'all going to figure it out. Some of you older folks understand just what I said. What he was talking about was there ain't no beating around the bush. Is you is or is you ain't. And, and that's what he says. And so he begins by simply saying if. And, and the word if would apply to a lot of things in a lot of our lives if you think about it. But what you're really thinking about is he's saying if you were his children rather than the fact since you are his children. Do y'all understand the difference? If you are a child of God, you do certain things. If you are a true born-again follower of Christ, there's certain things that you do that other people may not do. You don't debate it. You don't think about it. You don't talk about it because that's who you are. Since you're a child of God, you've been given things. You've been required things to go forward. The second thing it talks about there is the simple fact that they haven't gone through a change. Now, when we go through that change and we become followers of Christ, something happens. I mean, if nothing happened to you the day that you become a follower of Christ, what that means is you never became a follower of Christ. It's, it's, it's just amazing when you consider what happens. And, and that change comes with evidence. Now, 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 you daddies, do your sons, do your daughters, do they recognize you as being a follower of Christ? Do they look at you as one who's setting an example, who's, who's following after God in the way you're supposed to? There should be evidence in your life that confirms that that's what you are. It, it goes on there, and then the last thing it talks about is that Jesus, I didn't come because I wanted to. I came because I was sent. What he's talking about is I'm on a mission. Now, every person in this church who's a follower of Christ should be on some sort of a mission. Now, I got some doubts about y'all's preacher's mission being in Argentina shooting doves by the hunters. I don't quite got that straightened out. I'm going to just tell y'all, and I ain't telling y'all nothing. I ain't telling him, you know. Uh, but but, but he, he's convinced himself, and he's tried to convince me, and I think he's tried to convince Dallas that this is some sort of a mission. And, and when he gets back, he can explain it to you. Now, if he comes back and he's led eight or ten people to Christ, I can say, brother, it was a great mission. It was well worthwhile. If he comes back and says, I killed 981 doves, then I'm still going to question his mission. How many doves do you need to kill? I, I mean, you know, get tired of it after a while. But, but what it's talking about here is Jesus is on that mission, and the question I ask you and what I ask you and what I direct towards you is what is your mission? If you don't have a mission, you don't have a God. And you say, well, that's hard. No, that's scripture. That's what the Bible's talking about. That's what it's explaining here. 
It goes on and it says in verse 43, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. The word if and then the word why. Now, all of you who have raised uh, children or whatever, you get, uh, you get accustomed to the word why. Why? Why? You know, y'all, y'all ever get, you know why. Dallas, you're going to get there another year or two. She's going, why? And, and whatever you say, it's going to be why is that and why is this? Well, well, that's okay. But Jesus asked this question, why is it that you don't understand me? Well, I want you to understand and believe it. I think it's just a very few things. Number one, the reason that they didn't understand is because they didn't want to. Y'all, y'all ever been there? I mean, they just don't want to understand. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, you explain to your children how you want them to clean up their room and you lay it out pretty quick and it's like, I ain't sure I can do that. Well, well they, they, they can play all these computer games and they can do all that sort of stuff, but they can't understand how to get the dark clothes in one pile and the light clothes in another pile. No, they don't understand because they don't want to understand, but you're the same way. The, the second thing I think that we have to deal with is there's too many distractions. Now, now, there's a lot going on in all of our lives. Every person in here has got a lot going on. Eh? Uh, you know, if we ran a list, y'all all got things going on, and, and, and that's a big thing, but I'm going to tell you what, it's very, very easy in this life and in this time to be distracted with things that don't make any difference. God has a wonderful way of removing a lot of those distractions. Y'all ever had a kidney stone? Anybody here ever had a kidney stone? Let me tell you what, Friday was a week ago. I spent that day in the hospital, and for the next 10 days, I fought that bad boy. I'm going to tell you what, me and God got awful close. And nothing else mattered, you know. Nothing else made any difference. Uh, just tell me what you want me to do, Lord. Just tell me how you want me to do it, and if I don't get it done, you know, it ain't for a lack of effort, all right? But, but as long as you're in this world and as long as you have the television and you have your telephone and you have all these other things, they stand in the way. True followers of God find a way to put everything else aside and hear what God has to say. The last thing I think and the last reason I don't think we hear God is because we don't like the message. Think about what Jesus is dealing with. Jesus is dealing with a group of people whose descendancy is is Israelite from the very ground. And and he's trying to tell them, you know, that you've been wrong all these years, but here I am and I come. I come as a lamb without spot and without blemish. That's what Jesus says. I come that you might have life. And they didn't hear that because they didn't like the message. I think Jesus does things in a wonderful way. If you read in verse 44, it says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all liars. Now, y'all may not agree with me on this, but that's all right. There's nothing like being direct. I mean, there's nothing like coming to the point. And, and, and what Jesus tells them is, look here, y'all are all a bunch of liars. Y'all are all telling it wrong. Y'all don't understand God. Y'all don't love God. Y'all are not following God. And if you go to most churches in America, and if you go to most places in America, and you begin to preach that, they're going to get mad with you. Now, now what I do is, is a wonderful thing. I go and I preach usually three or four times. I rarely accept a position where I'm only preach one time because it takes y'all a little while to figure out whether we're going or coming. Y'all still trying to figure out whether to laugh or smile or cry. That don't make no difference. Do what God tells you to do, all right? But if a man comes in your church and comes in your gathering and begins to tell you that y'all are a bunch of lost, 
people, apart from God, you're sinners. Your daddy was a liar. Your granddaddy was a liar. Your grandmama was a liar. And none of you was right. Y'all ain't going to get too excited. I'm glad you took up the offering before I preached, Alice. I'm glad, okay? <laughs> Amen. But what I want you to understand is we have to be direct and we have to deal with things in a direct way. And you know who God is and you know where God is and you know whether or not God is your God. Well, Jesus has kind of got them on the edge of their seat, I guess you would call it or whatever because of what he's saying. And then he comes in verse 45 and it says, yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Anybody ever told you you can't handle the truth? I, I hear it all the time. I tell my children all the time, you can't handle the truth. I tell my good friends, I tell y'all's preacher Jeremy about twice a month, you can't handle the truth. I mean, you, you, you ain't man enough. You can't stand the truth. The, tr the truth is going to hurt. The truth's going to cut you right down to the middle of where you are. The truth is going to take a hold of you in a way that you don't want it. And most people don't like that. Let me tell you what happens in most churches. In most revivals, if folks come on the first night and they come under powerful conviction, one of two things happens. They either get right with God or they don't come back. Because they don't want to have to deal with it anymore. They don't want to have to fight it any further. They don't want to have to push it to any other level. And yet Jesus comes and he says, I'm telling you the truth and you can't handle it. And in verse 46 it says, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? It comes back to a father-child relationship. It comes back to the fact that when you were 17 years old, you did a really, really stupid thing. And that really, really stupid thing cost you a lot and it cost you for years to come. And your 17-year-old child is right where you were. And your 17-year-old child needs to hear the truth. And you share with your 17-year-old child the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And they go ahead anyway. Jesus says you can't live like you're living. You can't continue to go in the direction you're going in and not suffer grave consequences. And yet they look the other way. Verse 47, he who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. This morning, simple question. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who's the guide for your life? Who's the direction for your life? My granddaddy told me fairly early in life that when you were in conversation with somebody, you wanted to always make sure that whoever knew the most done the most talking. Does that make sense to y'all? If, if, if you're in a debate or if you're in a discussion with somebody, and, 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 and let's just say, for instance, we're talking about cows raising sheep. Let's talk about sheep. 
Now, if we gathered up this particular group and we was going to talk about sheep and we was going to talk about the way to raise sheep and all the production methods of sheep, you know who ought to do most of the talking? Me. I raise them for a living. Who else in here can say that? I fed them this morning. I know what they eat. I know when they cough, what made them cough. I know when they sneeze, why they sneeze. If they don't drink their water, I know they didn't drink the water. So if we want to have a discussion about sheep, who gets to do most of the talking? If we're going to talk to God, who gets to do most of the talking? And yet in our conversation with God, most of our conversation with God is simply this. We give God about two minutes worth of instruction on what we want him to do for us today. And we never stop and we never listen to what is it you want me to do, God? Where is it you want me to go? I want you to think about that and I want you to think about who you belong to. My children are all grown and my children's got children that think they're grown. Every year before they went to school, I always gave them the same speech. I would improve on it a little bit from time to time, but it was basically this. You see, my children went to the same grammar school that I went to. My children went to the same high school that I went to. Folks there knew who we were. And I always told them this. Don't you ever forget who you are. Don't you ever forget whose you are. Because what you're doing is not just a reflection on you, it's a reflection on all of us. As followers of Christ, what you do is a reflection on all other followers of Christ. So who are you listening to? And who do you belong to? Lord, I thank you so much that you love us so much. I thank you so much that you care for us so much. I thank you so much that you left. You left the portals of glory and you came down here on earth uh, to reason with some very, very unreasonable people. Lord, I, I know that throughout your time here, Lord, you, you, you never tried to do anything that wasn't good for us. Wasn't for our advancement, Lord. It wasn't for our protection. It wasn't for our benefit. Lord, I know that in every case, that was the case. I, I know, Lord, how much you love us and I know how much you cared for us, Lord, and I know that when your blood poured out, it poured out right straight from your heart, Lord, towards our hearts. And yet, Lord, I know that as a people, we, we, we rarely listen. I know that even now in, in this short time we've been together, there's who, who, other things. Who's going to win the ball game this afternoon or who's going to win the car race this afternoon or where are we going to eat dinner? And if we eat dinner, what are we going to eat for dinner? And Lord, right now I pray that you deal with us in such a way that we forget about who's running the car race and who's eating lunch or whether we're even going to eat lunch and that we just come to this place and we listen to you, Lord. Lord, I, I pray that every person in here realizes and recognizes the great honor of having a conversation with you. The great privilege that is ours to have you, our Father God, look down to earth and look down to us and say specifically, here's my plan for you. Here's my direction for you. I planned it from the beginning. Oh, if you'll just give your heart over to me. Oh, if you'll just seek to follow and serve me. Lord, I know there's folks here that's just here because this is what they do on Sunday. I know there's folks that just are passing through for various reasons. But Lord Jesus, I pray right now in these next few minutes that we hear you, 
that we're honest about who we belong to. And that, Lord, we put aside all our excuses and we seek with all of our heart to follow you, to serve you, to be what you'd want us to be. Because there's nothing that we could be that would be any better. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.